And welcome back. It's Brett and the boys. We're here right now. It's looking about five o'clock and it's happy hour. Um, we're going to take a few more questions. And we're going to be out of here by 530. Well, um, we got a phone call coming in from a Javier uh, Manzo. Is that a Javier Manzo? Hi, no, it's actually Manzo, but thank you for having me. Manzo, real masculine of you. Hi. Well, like I said, thank you. I just want to ask you a few questions about queer cinema, and I simply just want to see your point of view towards these films. Sure, I'm, uh, I'm happy to help in any way. All right. So to begin with, I, I have seen the movie My Own Private Idaho, directed by Gus Van Sant, and I'm having trouble understanding how it is a queer film. What do you think about that? How does that film define queer? Well, it depends the way you look at queer. You know, it's always been something that changes. Have you are you familiar with Gus Van Saint movies? He uh he also did Milk, the new psycho. He's he's very avant-garde and kind of campy. But I'm um, back back to your question. Basically, in this film it's kind of that new queer cinema um we often see like a different style it's focused on a subgroup and in the subgroup we have keanu reeves character who is a young wealthy man um coming from money that also belongs to the subculture well you have rivers phoenix character who struggles from epilepsy and really has no control or agency over that but how they somehow both fit into this community and you kind of see this through like the porno scene the magazines and kind of the way they gaze at each other through their point of view when we look at like what queer means according to like michelle aaron's you know we she quotes it as a term that represents the resistance to primarily like normative codes of gender and sexual expression that masculine men sleep with feminine women you know and that's not quite true when we look at kind of like these films like what bb ruby rich says with homosexual postmodernism or pomo and that kind of leads us into have you heard of a movie called the doom generation yes i have okay well what are you familiar with it well comparing that film to this one i understood my private idaho for better than the doom one because at some points i felt lost towards just following the characters and it felt repetitive to me i'm not sure if you felt that way too well it's kind of a motif you know we see of like the masculinity through the ex-boyfriends like you know the gun being repeated with the phallic weapon that we kind of see which is kind of part of this new queer cinema and i guess if we're going to talk about that we could also talk about like this film defies death which is another characteristic of the genre and it's also like it, the film starts off with the heterosexual film by greg iroki you know right on the screen the first title you see and it's kind of making fun at the old traditional ways of showing queer cinema where it used to try to make them fit in but then like you also watch movies like chuck and larry and like growing up gay like that was like the worst like you have zero representation in these films and now looking at this film it's like totally down my alley you see like 
two male characters that are typically like seen opposite sides of the screen, but the way the director positions them, like you always see these two guys next to each other, where the woman is always on the side. But he also kind of reverses gender roles, you know, as in masculinity, as Amy, the one of the protagonists, she's always taking charge while her boyfriend, um, Jordan, is kind of the ditzy one that's like, oh, oh, yeah, man, that sounds cool. And then, like, you also see, like, throughout the film, this idea of AIDS, which kind of, you know, shows the awfulness of what it was like during the 80s. And how many people like died through that and in this kind of like subculture that people like don't recognize and understand. Does that make sense? I agree. I agree. I noticed it. I noticed some queerness when um, Jordan and Xavier were on screen and you can see the camera focus on them more whenever they were together. And it did that even though Amy was present during those scenes too. But, you know, um, Amy was always there to like stop that relationship they were going through, even though we never saw them, you know, kiss or anything like that. But you can tell right away that Jordan had a thing for Xavier or vice versa. But yeah, after what you said, I totally agree with you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You could see that the way that Jordan is looking at Xavier and in the end, Amy, ends up with Xavier, it seems like, you know, because he's more of the man. And it's interesting because also like this with queer cinema attributes, it's like that idea, like it's not, un it's unconcerned with the, in the positive images of queerness. You know, it's, it, it, it makes everybody look wild, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. See, I noticed the queerness more when um, Jordan and Xavier were together during like on screen you would see them for example there was a scene when they were on the bed the same bed and then amy wasn't present and they were so close to becoming like closer than what they were before but then you know nothing really happened but you can tell right away thinking or just seeing how jordan looked at him you can see how he had a thing for him uh, but then again amy was always there and interrupting that relationship that was about to happen. So yes, I can see now how that is queerness in the film, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's kind of like that ideology, it plays the narrative because there's such like little narrative. They, you know, everywhere they go, they get, they do the same thing, they eat, sleep, fuck, you know, kind of like her Amy's button says, and that's kind of like the momentum of this road trip film, which makes it so epic. And then you're like blowing each other's heads off and the guy's heads landing in the relish. It's like insane, like not what I expected. I was super bummed this was a movie that I didn't see as a kid. You know, it's something that I needed to see as a queer filmmaker. I, you know, I remember seeing like movies like Sleepaway Camp and that was pretty terrifying, but like hilarious. But this movie was very a campy in a different way, you know, representing uh, queerness. But I mean, also looking back at like this reading I was doing by the Queering Desire, it was talking about like how queer was once this like derogatory homophobic word, you know, 
but they say its victims, which is actually my people, reclaimed its term of self-empowerment in the late 80s. Well, of course, like, you know, what you, it's, but it's like growing up, like, what do kids know what to say? It's like what they see on TV. If they're, you know, you're watching a show, it's your favorite show and the coolest guy's calling everybody a fag. Well, you're probably going to go to school the next day and call everybody a fag and not realize, you know, the way that it doesn't, it makes people feel without being able to empathize. Right. But a movie that I want to talk about next that like really made me empathize was Pariah. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that film. Oh, Pariah. Yeah. It is a film like nothing I've seen before. It reminded me a lot of um, this television show Vita, you know, where you see a culture and a sexuality intertwined, which is not what you see in main media and big blockbuster hits traditionally that are run by you know white straight people but even me just being a white queer man i can't quite represent the way that they could or i what i'm trying to say is to be to show a black homosexual female on television is breaking the glass ceiling am i right 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 i agree like this film pariah she's a genius you know it breaks those stereotypical norms that we see over again in uh, film and cinema and it it shows kids something different coming from an inner city even though she lives in the suburban city you know she's rich she's wealthy right she breaks those codes the overpowering mother you know she because she's relatable and <laughs> she's relatable and um it's just kind of a, it's very interesting it relates to you know the history of the idea of lesbianism like even queen victoria thought there was no need to make lesbianism illegal because she purely said it didn't exist which is ridiculous it was just invisible and that's kind of what i'm getting at is pariah really puts it on there and i think makes it easier for women just kind of like skate kitchen and Vita, and a lot of the great movies that we watched in that class. But anyways, it's also like lesbian representation has historically been associated with invisibility, like we were saying. And that's also a quote coming from Queer and Desire, which is, I was reading that last week when I was at the dentist. But yeah, so I don't know if you remember at the end of Pariah, how devastating it is when her mom basically can't say I love you. Mm -hmm. And I think showing that to younger kids, like, really makes an impact on straight people like as you, if when you saw the film right and i think that people realize like they could relate because it's your mother and everybody you know it's it's your mom's your mom and the fact that pariah then you know has control and you know she goes to school early and graduates early and does this it teaches young girl and young color girls and young queer girls and young all those girls they could do this right and the, the, her sister accepts her it's just like it gets rid of that fear it does show that there's a community for you a sub community and like through worldview you know if this movie gets played people could see it and understand and learn very good point yeah i i agree with the points you brought up I definitely see it now when you brought up the, the show Vita, also a very great show, but how the whole, um, the, the lesbian relates to both of those two films and 
with that in mind, I can now see it and picture it how you would say those things now. Yeah, I mean, it's like Bell Hooks said, it's it's difficult to talk when you feel that nobody's listening. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Wise words, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, to anybody that's listening out there, if you haven't seen Pariah, it's a 2011 film directed by Dee Rees and um, Bradford Young, a cinematographer, does an awesome job. Um, it stars Epitero, Yadu, Kim Wainis, Charles Parnell, and Asher Davis. You got to see it if you want to see new representation for females on film. Same, same thing with uh, My Private Idaho. It's a film with a great actor, rest in peace. Keanu Reeves lives on. And Doom Generations, a film that's amazing. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Just know that there's some blood and gore. <laughs> yes, there is. Well, well uh, I don't have any more questions. If anyone else and listening out there has questions, please feel free to tune in. Uh, thank you so much for coming in here and answering my questions. It really means a lot. Absolutely. Anytime you want to hang out with Brett and the boys, come on down again. And, um, we look forward to having you, Javier. Hey, thank you so much. You have a great day. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, we're logging off now. Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Um, we wish you a happy Friday afternoon. The weather looks great outside, and the birds are chirping.